You know, I have to admit, being a pastor's wife and never really being involved until God led me here, I'm ashamed to say I probably had the same idea. But over time, you just see that of the women that have been prostituted are just that. Most of them aren't in prostitution. They're being prostituted. And honestly, they're selling their body for the commodity, but the commodity goes to the pimps. The commodity goes to their traffickers. A Way Out program's mission is to assist any woman desiring to permanently leave sex trafficking. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today, Carol Wiley is here with us. She's no stranger to our Mid-South Viewpoint program. Carol, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing great, Byron. Thank you for having us. And you brought Linda Tishner with you. Linda, good to see you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. I think you told me this was your first time on radio. Absolutely. <laughs> Give me mercy. <laughs> no, you're going to do great. Well, I'm excited, Carol, to kind of update our listening friends about A Way Out Ministry. This is an incredible work in our city. Mm-hmm. Started back in 1992. Our dear friend George Kirkendall, what a trooper for Christ, right? Amen. But God has brought another executive director here, Russ White. He's been doing great work. Can we give a little bit of update? Because I know in light of COVID, Russ has been not doing too well. Russ still needs prayer, Byron. He's still at home. We weren't sure he was going to make it through this, but God did a work, and he did. And he's at home still doing therapy. And we're hoping to have him back soon, but he's still got some therapy he has to do for several weeks. I know that he is such a vital part of the work that's going on. He has such a passion, first of all, love for the Lord, Mm -hmm. but desire to see this ministry flourish and be an oasis for those trapped in the world of sex trafficking. And we're going to talk about that. One of the reasons we got together was to talk about a training for volunteers coming up on February 20th. We want to give some details about that training. It's a great way for those listening to connect with the ministry of A Way Out. And I know Linda's got some stories she wants to share as a volunteer. And Linda, how long have you been working with A Way Out Ministry? Carol and I were just talking about that on the way over. Somewhere between 15 and 18 years. I'm not really exactly sure, but it's passed very quickly. (laughs) Is that been in the capacity as a volunteer? Yes, yes. I've been a mentor and teacher decorator, whatever's needed. That's the way we work. And now she's on the board of directors. Oh, yeah. I forgot to say that. (laughs) Well, great. So you wear many hats. Yes. Carol, that's a long time to have a volunteer, right? It is. And, you know, that's what's so beautiful about this ministry is that the, uh, the volunteers that God sends our way, he just catches their heart. And he grabs their heart for the women and for their their needs and the traumas that they have to work through and everything. And they stay because they feel led by God to be there. And that's the volunteers that I love to have. And Linda, what caught your heart some 18 years ago to be involved with A Way Out? Honestly, I think I may have heard about this ministry the first time on Bot Radio. Really? I think so. And then the leader before you, Carolyn McKenzie, McKenzie, came to our church and brought some women from the program, and I heard her. Each time I got that clutching feeling you feel (laughs) in the pit of your stomach when the Lord's calling you. But it took a third thing uh, at my Bible study at church at Christ Methodist. Uh, We had some women talking about how the women from this ministry came to their weekend retreat and we're talking about it and then that grabbed me 
And honestly, the thing that really brought me here was the fact that I had everything that I could possibly want or need in life, but I was not fulfilled. I went to church. I was in Bible studies. But, you know, all the scriptures that talk about feeding the hungry and ministering to the poor and the needy and the widows and the orphans, I felt a void. And this ministry has filled that. It has made me feel like I was actually had a purpose and was being used by the Lord. I love that, Linda. Mm -hmm. You know, the Bible talks about the priesthood of believers. Absolutely. And part of that is being servants for Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Our pastors, their job is to equip the saints to do the ministry. And I think we sometimes have our focus on the minister behind the pulpit doing everything, the paid staff doing Mm -hmm. everything when it comes to ministry. But if we're born-again followers of Jesus Christ— We're ministers. We're servants of him, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are. Co-laborers with Christ. I love that. Heard that in a sermon yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Your pastor will be glad you remembered that. Carol, something I saw that you posted in social media, and I want to read this. I love this. You say, I think so many people still have the TV idea of trafficking. They see it as kids being brought from another country. That happens, of course, Mm -hmm. but they don't stop to think that it's in their own backyard. They don't stop to see what's going on. Sometimes they don't connect that to trafficking. Also, I think another thing people hang on to is they don't see prostitutes as being trafficked. And most of them are. Most of them have been prostituted for drugs and trafficking. If your body's sold or coerced into selling yourself as a commodity, that's trafficking. I think people don't really stop to connect the dots. They just say, oh, they choose to do that. That's so true. And, you know, I have to admit, being a pastor's wife and never really being involved until God led me here, I'm ashamed to say I probably had the same idea. But over time, you just see that uh, the women that have been prostituted are just that. Most of them aren't in prostitution. They're being prostituted. And honestly, they're selling their body for the commodity, but the commodity goes to the pimps. The commodity goes to their traffickers. They don't get any of the money. I've even had women where we've watched, as we've been on the street, we'll watch a pimp or someone drive by and collect their money. They'll take it from them. They don't even trust them to carry it. So they're being really used and abused. Yes, most definitely. And that's where a way out comes in. Exactly. That's the whole heartbeat of the Way Out program to help women who have been exploited and traumatized in the area of trafficking, prostitution, whatever kind of trafficking it is, our goal is for them to know who they are in Christ, to know who he is, and that they are fully loved, fully accepted, and fully forgiven, and they can live a life apart from being in bondage to anyone here on this earth. Yes. We want them in bondage to Christ. Yes, I love that. (laughs) Ladies, I found this news article in 2019. An undercover Tennessee Bureau of Investigation agent detailed some of the sobering facts about human trafficking as the second highest rising crime in Tennessee. They continue saying an all-too-typical example of a 14- to 15-year-old girl from a small-town Tennessee. She meets some guy on the Internet She jumps in the car with them one night, and they go off to the big city of Nashville, could be Memphis, and there is money, there is sex and vodka and pills, and having a great time, and then she decides she wants to go home, but the young teenage girl can't go home. 
said the agent. Among the most sobering statistics heard at the workshop is that human trafficking touches just about every county in Tennessee and the average age of victims, 13 years old. And Byron, just two years ago, I think it was two years ago, a study that was done, Shelby County was fourth, the fourth in the state of Tennessee for trafficking. So it's in our backyard for sure. How does that make you feel knowing it's in our backyard? Linda. And this that is not news to me, yeah. <laughs> having been in this ministry this long. I, of course, I know it's in our backyard. Because you're actually engaging it. Sometimes, and more often than we realize, our faith can lead us to really messy places mm-hmm. in the lives of people that are hurt, splattered, and broken, and need the redemption, as you said, mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. And yet we're sitting in our pews doing our church thing, right, Linda? Yes, and the hard part about this is getting the word out to them. We can talk to our churches all day long, but most of the people that we need to minister to are not sitting in those pews. So getting the word out is is really difficult on the street to the people that need it. How do you typically make contact with young girls or women who are trapped in this industry? Well, typically right now, Byron, we either get a call from another ministry where they have reached out. Sometimes the women will reach out and call us, uh, but we mostly get by referral right now from other ministries. And we do all try to work together to make sure that every woman that calls gets help. We used to go out to the street and we, we kind of have pulled back from that for a time because we didn't have enough housing. And so if you had someone that needed to come right then and you had to say, well, you need to wait, that would have been like a slap in the face. Yes. So what we do now is mostly we get them by referrals from other ministries, from hospitals, from attorneys, from the courts, just all different places. What are some of the traumas and harmful experiences the women that you work with have endured? I would venture to say that probably 95 to 98 percent of all the women that come to us have childhood sexual abuse in their background most often by a family member, huge thing to overcome. Uh, it pre-programs them for what the traffickers want to do. It pre-programs them to think, this is what I'm for. This is what love is, because that's what they're told. So then when some guy comes up and says, I love you, they're thinking that's love. And when he abuses them, then you get the whole mixed-up thing of, he loves me because he says he's sorry, and it just it's a vicious cycle. They stay in it even though they hate it. Yeah. How do you know where to begin with the holistic and individualized approach that you offer these ladies, Linda? Where do you begin? Just trying to get to know them. You know, I usually first meet them at Bible study on Tuesday night and we before COVID, we would have uh, a dinner before Bible study and just visiting with them and just hi and tell them who you are and, you know, what brought you to us or each woman is so different. They uh, have different things that uh, connect. Some are easier to connect with than others, of course, but um, just getting to know them. And then I teach some classes too. And that's where I really get to know them. What kind of classes are we talking about? Well, right now I'm teaching anger management. In the past, I've taught conquering codependency, 
Lies Women Believe, and Healing for Damaged Emotions. We have a whole lot of classes that are wonderful. Do you have to have a degree in counseling to be able to offer this type of ministry? No, because the books, we have workbooks that are done by people that have all those degrees. And I'm just a facilitator and lead a discussion class. And God's my my degree. (laughs) I love that. So would Linda's story be the kind of heartbeat you're looking for? to be part of this ministry. Most definitely. We really want women that have a heart, that God's touched their heart to reach out to someone that's broken and that doesn't know who they are, that really doesn't know who they are at all. We could say they truly don't know who they are in Christ, but they don't even really know who they are. And we need women that you don't need a degree. You need a heart that God's given you to reach out and touch hurting lives. That's what you need. Carol, talk about the safe living environment and just how important that is as you're trying to make that transition with women that are trapped in the sex industry. That is absolutely one of the primary things they have to have. If they don't have a safe place to live, then and they, we kind of put them in a bubble for a, a period of time while they're in our program, you might say. It's almost like trying to reprogram <laughs> their thinking, what you they're really are. dependent upon. Yeah. You really are. And honestly, our program's a two-year program, but that just gives them a really good jump start, you know, because when you think about being abused as a child and then maybe being trafficked or prostituted until you're 35 years old or so, you have got a whole lot of lies that need to be unraveled and a whole lot of truth that needs to be poured in to replace those lies. And so it's it's vitally important to have a safe atmosphere, safe place where they can just focus on knowing that they can go down to they can lay down to sleep at night and they don't have to sleep with one eye open. They don't expect somebody to come in and yank them up and say it's time to go to the track. They have a safe place where they can focus and they can learn and they can kind of see that, hey, I'm worth something. You know, we tell them, this is my big thing with them, Byron. You've heard me say this before. But I tell every woman that I interview, we are going to treat you with dignity. Yes. Because you have a dignity that nobody has a right to touch because you were created in the image of God. And so we're going to treat you with dignity. And that is so important because they don't have a sense of dignity. What we try to do is give them enough of the truth through the classes and their volunteer-led classes. Staff leads some. We need more volunteers to lead classes. And it it's a discussion group. Like Linda said, you've got all the material you need right there before you. You don't have to have a degree yeah. to do those. And we need women that will help provide transportation. That's a huge thing because they spend time in the car with them. They can talk. They kind of get to know them. We need women that are willing to be on the prayer committee. That's what keeps us going. We need prayers behind us because we are constantly fighting darkness every day. We're in the battle with the enemy and darkness. When do you start seeing a breakthrough? You said there's a two-year commitment these women make to come into the program. When do you start seeing a breakthrough with healing mentally and emotionally for these women? The way it's kind of geared, the first two months— 
It's just a blackout period, we call it. They don't go anywhere with anybody or do anything but program people. We want them to get adjusted to the program. And then after that, in the safe uh, three- to six-month period, we're hoping to make sure that they've got a mentor and uh, that they are beginning their classes, that we've got them set up for counseling. We do a lot of that. See, it starts out very practical. That first 60 days, they don't have an ID. They don't have anything like that. We have to do all that, get a birth certificate, ID, Social Security card, because the pimps take those. And we have to get all that for them, so we start very practically. And then about that six-month period, say it's starting in the seventh month or so on, we we partner with uh, Renew All Candles, and uh, that's a social enterprise. We partner with them. You also provide job skill training. We do. And give them work, and this with, is part of that element. the classes, and then they go, if, if they're ready and everything, they can start work with Lee Howard at Renew All Candles, which has been a blessing to have that partnership. And then they work with her, and they continue with us working on all the issues they have and everything. And then hopefully by the time of that second year starts, we're beginning to, hey, look, you're saving your money. We're paying on your fines. We're getting you ready to leave here. So hopefully when they leave, they have everything they need to get an apartment to start their life and a full-time job because in that second year, we have them start looking for that too. I guess sometimes, too, these women enter the program having addictions, drug addictions. That's a whole other area. Percentage-wise, would you say most of the women who come in? I would say everybody that I've worked with over the years that I've done this, all but I could count on one hand the ones that didn't. And we've, we've had contact and touch with over 650 women. Not that they've all been in our program, but that's how many we've maybe had a chance to refer out and stuff like that. They all have drug issues. You could, I could Like I say, I could count on one hand, probably yeah. the ones that don't. Okay. So we do deal with that. We deal with it a little bit differently. Our course is called The Heart of Addiction. And, uh, and what we come from the standpoint of that basically addiction is a heart issue. And it definitely it affects you physically and everything else, but we want them to understand that they can be set free from that. And so we come we come about come around to deal with that just a little bit differently. Wow, ladies, I can't imagine every day's different for a way out, right? Most right. definitely. When you walk in for you, Linda? Yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> when I go to teach my class, some days it's awesome and they are just all there to learn and really participants you know, very uh, actively participating in the class. And other days they've had something on their heart or mind that has kind of put a stop there, and it's like talking to a wall. So, (laughs) yes, every day is different for sure. Some of the women come into the program and they have children. Yes. How do you accommodate when they have children? Well, we used to send a lot of women to Mariah House, and they take children. But now um, we mostly... Most of our women don't have their children. They don't have them with them yeah. anymore. Family members usually have them. Sometimes they're adopted, sometimes not. And Do you ever have to work with the courts in custody to try to help women get custody back? Do you ever do yes, that? Yes, and Carol yes. could address that better. We definitely do. As a matter of fact, uh, one of our graduates now who's doing great, when she came to us, she had three little boys that were in DHS. We didn't realize it, but she had just gotten into the program 
and because she came from another program. We went down to Jackson to meet with them, and they let us know that they were going to put her children up for adoption. Well, I had watched her with her children and stuff and knew that she could be a good mom and that she loved them, that addiction had just gotten the best of her. We begged them. I said, well, just tell me what she has to do so you won't adopt her children. And he gave me a list of things. So what we did is we reversed her program, and we put her in an apartment first and got all everything agreed so that they could go through their process of having uh, supervised visitation at her apartment and stuff like that. And she got in there, and she's still got her boy. She's working full-time today, and God just worked, and she's just <laughs> doing great. But we had to reverse everything. So that's what we mean by our program. We have protocols and rules, but we also try to work with them very in a very individualized manner. I love that, Carol. Yeah. I mean, you have to be fluid sometimes, yeah. right? Not to be too really rigid. Right, like Linda? the Holy Spirit. That's yeah. right. Follow the Holy Spirit, Linda. <laughs> yeah, you really do. Some of these women, if they've started out uh, young in this industry and they've gotten older and they have children— they might not know really how to be a mom to these kids. You also help through classes. Actually, with the lady that we helped uh, and reversed her program, we also had to do parenting classes. So that's another one of those things. If it's a particular need that they have, we're going to find a way to interject that in there for them. You're sharing today some really practical ways that those viewing and listening can volunteer and come alongside and and offer. Maybe they Mm -hmm. love time in the kitchen. They could bring a young woman in the kitchen with them, or they love doing things around the home to take care of their family, and they could bring them into a relationship, mentoring relationship, Linda, to help share what they've learned and just to love on them in Jesus' name. Absolutely. What do you enjoy most about your work, volunteering? I really enjoy teaching the classes because that's where you really get to know them. That's when they really share the things that are on their heart. Because some of the, their traumas are so deep, Byron. I mean, they have been through things that are horrifying. I mean, sometimes I cry with them. It's just, um, you know, I can get real discouraged. But when I really look at it hard, it's, how could you not uh, get discouraged? This is a... This is, we are fighting a battle every day against darkness. And that's what our goal is, is to bring them into his marvelous light. Yes. If someone's listening to us today, victimized, trapped in the sex industry, and, and really wants help getting out, what's their first step? What they can do is if they, if they have access to a phone or can get to one, they can call the office, 901 452 7884. We will do a phone interview with them. We will try to find out what they need and what kind of help they need. And if we can't provide it, we're going to try to find a way for them to get it. I guess what I'm saying, don't, don't be discouraged by anything. If you, if someone has to say to you, uh, you know, we don't have that right now, but let, if you'll give me a couple of minutes, I'm going to call some people, and okay. we're going to get you some help. Give that number again, Carol. 901-452-7884. Okay, this meeting coming up on February 20th for potential volunteers. What should they bring? What's going to happen on this meeting on the 20th? Okay, I've made a few notes because I didn't want to forget anything important. 
But the most important thing is that it starts at 9 o'clock. On the it's 20th. On the 20th, February 20th. It's going to run from 9 to 1, and we provide lunch. Also, they need to sign up on our website, which is awayoutministries.org. The only thing they really need to do before coming is we're asking them to watch the documentary Nefarious. And they can watch that free on YouTube and to jot down any questions that come up into their mind because that's a really good overview of trafficking. And we want to have a a short discussion answering questions and stuff that they might have. We want them to get a good understanding of what trafficking is and what it isn't. Other than that, they just need to bring themselves and be ready to learn about the program. We're going to go through a a PowerPoint, which is going to explain the program uh, and some of the volunteer opportunities and what their role would be and what they need to do to be involved there. We're going to also talk to them a little bit about something new that just was kind of brought to my attention. It was not new, but I just realized some of our mentors, when our women go through the addiction classes, they come, as they go through relapse recovery, they are made to do a relapse plan and come up with three accountability partners. Some things have occurred that made me realize that we need to also speak to that what an accountability partner should do and not do. Because that's Um, a real critical time right there, that relapse or that period of trying to come off those drugs and those addictions. Yeah. And I will say this, Byron, we don't just forget the women when they leave. I mean, if they actually, we've been in process of helping one that relapsed, get her life back together and everything. We, we don't just say, okay, your two years is up. It's over. Yeah. Uh, we want to know how they're doing. And the neat thing is that we can keep up with them through their mentors, too, because <laughs> mentors get calls when they're doing good and when they're doing bad a yes. lot of times. Yes. <laughs> well, that website, again, is awoministries.org forward slash volunteer, awoministries.org forward slash volunteer. Even though we're talking about a particular event on February 20th, this is ongoing. You know, you might not be able to connect with the ministry this period in your life, but maybe in the next few months or soon you would be able to do that. And so we would encourage you to be familiar with the ministry, learn about what A Way Out is doing, wonderfully doing. And we appreciate so much this work and always want to share it with our friends, Carol and Linda. Thank you so much for coming by today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. We're going to have to say goodbye. Time goes by too quick, right? (laughs) (laughs) did a great job for your first radio interview. (laughs) Friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. Hey, we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.